This is Gray. This is Mel. And this is Tim. <laughs> and we certainly want to welcome Chuck composer Tim Jones. This is episode 104 of Chuck versus the podcast for Friday, February 10th, 2012, in the studio with Tim Jones. Exciting. Exciting. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're happy to have you, Tim. I think, what is this, the third time we've had him on the podcast? I, at least. I, I mean, if you're not, if sure. you don't count, um, like, holiday episodes and and little ones like that um definitely a friend of the podcast wow thanks guys so who's that guy that was always on all the game shows i can't remember (laughs) yeah and uh and so tim actually has some surprises for us some um shots of his studio and also we're going to go in detail about his songs and there have been a pile of questions submitted. As a matter of fact, over 30 questions. And Tim has actually promised that he's going to get to every single one. So um, we, I, I think actually what makes the most sense is if we roll right into the questions first, and because they cover a pretty wide range of topics, and then we can get to the other cool stuff that's coming. You so, got it. Mm-hmm. Now, first, first of all, the first group of questions is actually something that Tim covered way back in his very first interview. And I got to confess, I actually was a little confused about this myself when we first started. But um, Carmen and Judy um, both asked questions about Hi, <laughs> about uh, the the music, the songs on Chuck. In other words, um, the popular music artists. Who, pref- who have music that you can get on iTunes, sometimes those are, are picked for use in Chuck. And, and people were asking, Tim, how did you pick those songs? And Tim, what do you say to that? It was effortless because I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so explain a little bit about that because there's something, so, there's a couple of people that are really talented in that and, and sure. that's what they do. Well, there is a really lovely lady by the name of Alex Patsavas, who is our music supervisor on Chuck. And uh, she just picks really, really cool music and sends it over to the editors. And they sort of go back and forth and see what stuff works in each episode. And, you know, obviously, uh, Chris Fedak and Josh Schwartz have some uh, say in what ends up in the episode. But uh, it, it's all in their capable hands. They uh, they don't let me make those kinds of decisions, which is which is a good thing. Uh-huh. We have enough Huey Lewis in the show. Yeah, <laughs> and and those uh, those types of songs are also called needle drops, which refers back to old vinyl records. The needle actually dro- dropping on a popular record, but um, or a song by they sometimes call that, and that's by as in B U Y. Yeah, and and obtaining the rights for these songs is a big deal, but. Uh, and so you've got a, a 44-ish minute episode of Chuck that might have several of these um, songs in it, but then what's in between, now that is where you come in. <laughs> that is where I come in. Um, that's where you have the score that you know sits underneath uh, the dialogue or the action. Um, I do have a few pieces of score that sound like songs, and I get asked about those quite a bit. Um, sort of the one of the Chuck uh, action theme, if you will, when he's running around or doing something. Um, and that was from season one. Uh, I wrote it in episode one, and I think it was in just about every episode of Chuck uh, for 91 <laughs> episodes. Yeah. 
He runs around a lot. Yeah. That was fun, you know, and it was one of those pieces of music that um, that I that we tried to replace. You know, we tried doing other things. We tried here's a new version of it, and it just never stuck like the original for whatever reason. So, yeah. Well, that and, was fun. And and also as as those of us say, for instance, who are fans of Star Wars. Um, often what happens in a show is a certain character or a certain villain might have their own theme kind of music that when you hear that you know it's Darth Vader coming and uh, and so that's a lot of what you've done in this show is is come up with certain themes that that fit a lot of the running sort of themes of the sh- of the show um, the ring had its own theme and and fulcrum had its own uh, what do you tell us a little bit about that well, it got pretty hard to keep track of, to be perfectly honest, because, um, <laughs> you know, uh, actually, let me start at the end and, and work backwards. Uh, we had that, that bad guy towards the end of the series named Decker, and he was kind of the culmination of all of our bad guys throughout five seasons. And, and um, what I decided would be really fun is to take all the bad guy themes and weave them together into a theme for Decker. So that, you know, basically he's got elements of Fulcrum in the ring and insert bad guy organization name. What, who am I missing? Um, uh, Volkoff. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was just a whole bunch of different uh, themes that I'd used throughout the series that I then wove together for this, this theme for Decker. So you, you go back and listen, you'll hear a lot of stuff in there, little references to all the themes that went way back to the beginning. Neat, neat that is stuff. So cool. I'm. I see. I kept thinking I was hearing little pieces, and then I'm so bad with music. <laughs> and I was like, oh well, okay, I guess not. All right. Yeah. But now, now I know I was hearing little pieces. Yeah. Well, I, I tend to be very sort of forward moving, Mel, it, with the music. So once I've written something, I don't necessarily remember it exactly the way that. <laughs> You know, yeah. uh, I actually had to have a friend go down and 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 take all those themes and and put them together for me. Not put them together, but collect them because you know I did them in so many different ways. And um, you know, I I would prefer not to repeat myself. So I think just by nature, I tend to to sort of write something and then kind of move on. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I've done that. You know, yeah. Um, and so it was. It was an interesting project to kind of have them all in front of me on a on a piece of paper and go, okay, I can take these pieces and those pieces and kind of reassemble them into something else. Which mm. was- now, uh, now on the topic of gathering all the cues together, uh, I think Mel's got some questions here. Yes, as you know, Tim, we have a little project going on where we're having fans are writing into Warner Brothers and saying, hey, we want the score on the soundtrack. We want it. We want it. We want it. And uh, a lot of people have already written in and left comments or emailed me to say that they've done it. Uh, But some of the people that were sending questions for this interview were wondering if you have any kind of an update on that, if you've heard anything about whether that's coming out. Um, And also, they really wanted to know in particular if a question and an answer, of course, the Chuck and Sarah theme, would be on there. Um, And if it did, if this project did get off the ground, would it include score from all five seasons? Would it be just one season? Or have you even thought that far ahead yet? Well, obviously, it it would be my great pleasure to put out the CD or CDs. Um, I, unfortunately, am just not uh, in charge of that. And, um, you know, Warner Brothers, in their wisdom, I'm sure has... um, 
you know, reasons or, or you know, a, um, a way that they need to go about things. So I, I honestly don't know if the soundtrack will be released. Um, I would, would love for it to be released, but um, I, when I was trying to get this off the ground a couple of years ago, I think we were just finishing season three. Um, and so I put together a two disc set of seasons one through three um, wow. that encompassed two discs. And there was still a lot of stuff left out. I mean, it was, you know, um, I really didn't anticipate um, having a hard time getting it put out, to be honest, because I, I just thought that, you know, people seemed to, to respond to it. And I thought maybe, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's a changing marketplace and um, can, can be very complicated. I'm hopeful that it will still happen, but um, with, you know, each passing day past, uh, past the finale, it, it gets a little bit more, a uh, little more, more iffy, to mm. be honest. So, but, oh, so go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say that, you know, uh, it, it would be my wish to to release cues from all five seasons because the, the, the thing about Chuck is that the music it was so different um, as the show went on. I mean, that sort of speaks to what I was speaking to before about kind of doing something and sort of moving on to something else. And I was blessed in that this show allowed me to cover a lot of ground musically, you know, um, mm-hmm. Tons of ground, more ground than any show I've ever heard of on television. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, you could certainly, um, there's a lot of music in, in 91 episodes of Chuck with, you know, over 30 minutes of music. There's a lot of cues. Mm. Um, there's, you know, there's some that are some of my favorites and, and obviously the fans have been kind enough to let me know what their favorites were. And, and, um, so you know, I'd love to release it. I, I don't know. It, it just really would depend if it were an economic thing, how many discs we put out. or um, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people would probably be perfectly happy with a digital download, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. certainly viable in this day and age. Um, much as I love my old CDs, I don't, I don't use them as much as I used to. You know, they're all in iTunes now. And, um, so, but anyway, if, if that answers your question, I mean, you know, I'd love to release everything, but uh, I'm not sure everyone would want to sit there for, you know, days and weeks on end uh, listening to Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> you might be surprised. Yeah. I, I know that, yeah, they've it's touched a lot of hearts, the music has, so I think you might be surprised. But, it's, it um, touched me too. It, it changed me a lot. It was like going to, getting a PhD or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, a reminder for those who want to send in your letter to Warner Brothers, you can do that at checktv.net slash timjonescd. That's the URL where you can find out more information, get the address and all of that. So keep those letters going. Mm-hmm. And and speaking about websites, uh, Tim has a website, jonestimjones.com. And <laughs> on that website, there actually are many music uh, cues. So so the, there are that is a place that... Small samples. Yeah, it's it's, it's samples, but uh, but it is a place that you can find Tim's Tim Jones's music if you just have to get that fix. Um, and actually, just just in case we forget, we should also mention your uh, uh, Twitter handle is Tim Jones Music. <laughs> I don't tweet as much. I guess that's what that's what you kids call it, right? Tweeting. Uh. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I'm not really as hip to all that as I should be, but. Uh, but I do find it fascinating. I mean, I, I, 
I think it you know shows that I don't have a gazillion followers because I just don't really tweet very much. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we're going to move on to the next section, and this, I'm sure, is going to be fascinating to people. It's questions about the process of composing. Um, Antonio asks, what software and hardware devices do you use to compose? Well, that's a very good question. Um, one of the things you can see sitting in front of me is a mixing console. Um, this is a, a board made by a company called SSL. And um, I think I got that about a year and a half ago. And uh, it's been really helpful to do the different types of music that I do for Chuck. There's a lot of rock and roll. There's a lot of uh, tango music, all different kinds of things. Um, But I also use predominantly Macs. Um, I uh, compose and mix in a program called Nuendo, which is basically the same as Cubase. And uh, I don't know if you can see behind me, but there's a whole bunch of instruments on the wall. And uh, I love to record live stuff. I think just about every cue in Chuck has something live that I played or that another uh, person played. So um, those are the kinds of the things that, that come together to make a Chuck cue. Mm-hmm. I saw some really neat stuff when, uh, when I was there in season three. Um... But uh, we have a few questions. Uh, Bob and Kevin and Stephanie all ask about uh, the process. Uh, there's a number of questions about: um, Did you do it? Do you do it to a completed film cut? Do you do it to um, pages or an earlier cut? And how fast is your turnaround time between when you first see it and when you got to deliver it? Mm. Well, um, turnaround time is typically very short. Um, Although it depends on at what point I come in on the process. Um, I'm hoping to be able to show you the uh, Jeffster AHA uh, sequence from the last episode. And I started working on that a couple of weeks before uh, it was actually needed. Um, well, actually even longer if you, if you think about you know recording with Vixa High. And um, so anyway, I'll go a little more into that uh, later. But um, usually, you know, I'm working from a locked cut. Um, they will will do what's called spotting session, and I know I've covered this in some other uh, podcasts, so I apologize if I'm repeating myself. But uh, usually by the time I get to the picture, it's been locked, and uh, the networks and the producers have all made their notes, and it's kind of just my job to uh, kind of realize their vision and, and polish the thing up and get it out the door. But, you know, we would typically... Um, look at a locked episode on a Tuesday or Wednesday and it would be due the following week. Um, I had a few episodes that were, you know, about four days uh, and and that's kind of what we would call a hot turnaround. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, Yeah, that was was blazing to get some of those in. Mm. Cool. And then uh, Mel, you got the next section? Yeah, uh, these are a couple of questions from Chris T, who's a video editor also in Toronto, as is Gray. Mm-hmm. And he, you mentioned this um, just briefly, Tim, a minute ago, but he wonders if you ever interacted with the cast very much and if Jeffster ever dropped by the studio. And, of course, we now know that they did. Uh, yeah, they, uh, they, they did everything uh, here at my studio. I mean, we did do uh, some recording at a, at a friend's studio, uh, really wonderful guy named Johnny Lee Shell, a uh, great guitarist and uh, songwriter in his own right. And um, 
he helped out with the um, uh, Fortunate Son, the Credence. Uh, oh yeah. Johnny had played with John Fogarty on stage. Wow. Uh, that was a pretty easy one for him to lay down. I think one pass. <laughs> so, but nice. uh, yeah, Vic came into the studio there at Johnny's place, and um, uh, Scott Krinsky came in to my place uh, back when I had the studio at home, and um, I think we did some stuff for Mr. Roboto because I needed to do that sort of computerized voice that that Scott Krinsky uh, he laid that part down, and so. Uh, question was Jeffster what was the other part of the question and, and do you interact with the rest of the cast oh yeah you know I, I think I spoke about this a little in the in the DVD or the blu-ray um, interview and that is that this cast of people is um, a really rare it was a really rare coming together of some very cool people and I you know didn't really know going in what to expect because this was my first kind of big uh, network show I'd always worked on films where by the time I get to the process, the actors have already moved on and are shooting their next thing. Um, and, you know, I've uh, gotten to know quite a few of the cast members pretty well. Um, obviously, you know, Vic Sahai and I have spent a lot of time together in the studio. And, mm. uh, you know, we were, we were joking the other night that, you know, we've been in a band for five years. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Um, didn't do much traveling on the road, but there's always the future, you know? So, yeah. You know, and Scott Krinsky's a great guy and was always game to, you know, because he, he doesn't have a lot of uh, musical training, but is, you know, always game to try something. And the poor guy, they would just constantly throw him in front of the bus. Okay, you're playing a uh, guitar today. <laughs> <laughs> guitar, you know? <laughs> wow. Uh, have to go up and do that in front of a few thousand or a few million people if they're filming, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know I'm leaving people out. I mean, Josh Gomez is a really cool guy, uh, very musical actually. He does his own music and he's really into uh, synthesizers mm-hmm. and uh, he uh, he programmed some sounds that that I used in the uh, season four um, finale. Really? Finale? When when did they go and get Volkoff out of the out of the truck? Do you remember that? They were ch- Chuck was chasing him on a motorcycle. Yeah, that was the finale. Mm-hmm. Right. And and then at the end when Morgan um uh gets the intersector's head and he passes out, the sounds that you hear as he's waking up were were designed by Josh Gomez. And wow. I just so cool as <laughs> he's sort of like coming coming to. It's like these sounds that he made on his synth, you know. Wow. So that was oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Going back just a minute, you said that uh, you, you have an interview on the Blu-ray. That's for the season five Blu-ray? Yes. Right yeah. Was, uh, they, they came to my studio, which was really cool. They, you know, set up oh. tons of really super hot lights. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, they had an interview. So I, I hope it turns out all right. I uh, just, you know, talked as much as I could for until they told me to stop you know <laughs> very cool yet another reason to order the season five D- now is it is you when you say blu-ray is that blu-ray and dvd i'm sure it'll be dvd yeah also. Um, cool i guess we're sort of moving to blu-ray though aren't we great uh, i think so i think so uh, that's what i'm hearing one yeah. more thing to buy yeah <laughs> yeah well i have a follow-up question from chris um he said 
that you know he's in the creative industry himself he's a video editor and he wanted to he said i know what it's like to receive last minute changes that for better or worse must be completed at the 12th hour of a project has there ever been a time where the powers that be asked you to make a last minute change and if so what was it ever been a time <laughs> on this show on this show not been a time oh <laughs> no. no the guys on the show were amazing um you know the thing about chuck is that we were pushing the envelope a lot especially with the music we didn't you know i talked to josh schwartz at length and and also chris Fedak. you know over the five seasons our main conversations were really always about the tone you know what is the tone of the scene because there was so much going on in chuck it's such a hybrid that that the music often really had to help sell what the tone was supposed to be whether it's comedy but there's you know tension underneath it or you know it was it was really awesome like film scoring boot camp you know because there was usually about three layered emotions going on that then change on to something else you know <coughs> to the buy more you know mm-hmm. and um <laughs> so uh one of one that i can remember in particular was um really the last uh the last cue of the last episode wow and this was um, a time when I worked really hard on that last cue for Chuck and Sarah on the beach. It, it, I spent a full two days, you know, I mean, probably way more time than I actually had on, you know, to work on that. Hmm. It wasn't a long cue, but I just, I wanted it perfect, you know, and or as perfect as I could get it. And I, I turned it in. I was really happy with it. And Chris Fedak, you know, got back to me and said, hey, you know, we really like the cue. And. We were just wondering if you could try a couple of things. Oh, no. (laughs) And I thought, you know, of course. Of course you can try a couple of things. This is your show, and you hired me for five years, and this is what I do. You know, but... um, But but I actually... I thought about it overnight, and because, you know, we had enough time to to fix it, and I said, hey, you know, I'm totally happy to make the changes. Um, I just... I wanted to make a, a, a pitch, you know, for this cue. This is sort of why I did it and, and why. And um, and this is just to preface this by saying, you know, my job is to support the filmmaker or the producer's vision, you know. And so a lot of times, you know, as an editor as well, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're in a service industry, you know. And, and you know, if you want to do stuff with no changes, I, I should probably go write operas or something, you know. <laughs> And, uh, because it, it, I think in the beginning it was more difficult than it, than it was at the end of five seasons, you know? Um, mm. but the cool thing about this was I, I said to Chris, Hey, I, I really love this cue. And I said, if, if the last few notes of score that, that the Chuck fans ever hear is the Chuck theme, I said, I can die a happy composer, you know? I said, but not yet. I have like 50 years <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and I think I titled the email something. I mean, I hope this isn't. You don't think Chris would be uh, upset no. by it? No, no, no. Okay. Well, I, anyway, I titled the email um, uh, Amnesty for uh, M41V1. <laughs> so, and, uh, or, what, what, no, was it Amnesty? Yeah, Amnesty or something like that. And, and the, the email that I got back from Kevin Mock, the editor, and, and Chris Fedak, it just says Amnesty Granted. Aww. Yeah. Aww. <laughs> yes. You guys are the best. 
Oh. It, was silly. It, it was it was very kind of them and it, w- it was nice of them to take a look at the queue and and you know if it didn't work for them it didn't work for them but in this case it did and just when they took a second look at it so anyway i guess i said all of that to say that that's that case is a rarity you know it's mm-hmm. it's often that um you know there's often a lot more going on in the show than you maybe have been let in on mm. you know maybe they're and sometimes not feeling great about what they got on the screen or, or they're trying to tell a subtext that isn't immediately obvious. And sometimes, you know, that doesn't get communicated or whatever. And so I need to take another pass to address it. You know, Mm. I think more often than not, that's what happens. Yeah. Well, we, Oh, so go ahead. I was just going to say, speaking of that cue, I think we're going to have a chance to listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to play it for you. It's not very long. And um, I, I just wanted to point out a couple of things, just the things that I was thinking about as I wrote this cue. And, you know, um, every other version of the, the Chara cue or whatever, the Chuck and Sarah theme had sort of a synth beginning. And I just wanted this to be very, very simple, um, you know, uh, just piano and with plenty of air between the phrases so that when they're speaking, and I, and I really tried to stay out of their way um, because they're also on the beach, uh, which ended up being quite a sound issue uh, in the final dub. Um, and so I, I, I also progressed their theme in a way that, that makes it much more final than it ever was. Um, every other version of it is, is quite tentative in the way that it leads off or leaves off. It's, it's, it's not a finished cue. And I made a conscious effort to... Um, to really let this one come to rest, you know, and mm-hmm. and just quote the 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 Chuck theme in the very last few notes. So I'm pretty proud of this little piece of music. Yeah, and honestly, honestly, Tim, and I, and I know even way back, um, the first time we heard that cue was was uh, the pizza scene, I think. Yep. In back in Chuck versus the Wookie, mm-hmm. um, and even, I mean, that scene uh, was one of our first real introductions to um, Sarah's heart. I think, like when she, we, we were first getting an idea of the layers inside her heart, and. And it was a, a kind of a glimmer of hope that 
that we like my middle name is Lisa like she wants to let this heart out and then we saw that play out through the whole series and and to me that cue was just part of that journey well I I agree you know I I saw um uh Allie Adler at the uh we had a final a screening of the final two episodes together in a movie theater which was really fun all the people that have worked on the show over the years and um you know, when I saw Allie, it's, I just said, you know, I, every time I hear this cue, I think of you, you know, because she wrote that episode about, you know, Sarah's middle name. And um, I don't know, it's just, uh, I, I'm, I'm just, just really, really appreciative that people are so, have responded to that cue the way that they have, because it's a, it's a very special cue to me. Um, you know, it, it, it had some personal significance and and it was one of those things that, that, that I sort of put out there um, and, and you would hope that people would like it, you know, because it's one of those, it's like you really don't want something that you really care about to get trashed, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Cool. Well, that leads into our, our next uh, section, which is all about this song. Um, <laughs> Wade asks... Uh, when songwriters write a song, they say they use life experiences and emotions from their own lives. What were you uh, inspired by and what were you feeling when you wrote that song, that cue? Well, I don't want to overly color uh, other people's experience of that piece of music. Um, but there was a lot of heartbreak in that piece of music for me. Um you know, I had lost my mom a couple of years before Chuck started, and uh, she was she was way too young to uh, to leave. You know, she uh, she got cancer and, and left when she left us when she was fifty six. You know, so um, you know, having lost my dad at a very young age, my dad was a fighter pilot, and I think that that one of the things that has made Chuck so endearing for me and I think probably for a lot of people is that we see ourselves in these characters Mm. and I could really relate to Sarah's sort of sense of being on your own in a way you know kind of kind of being a bit alone in the world even though you're not really but you there's just that it had that sense of unfinished business it it, the, the cue um, I, I wanted to have that tentative reaching out, but pulling back in, you know, and, and, um, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's, it's very hard to explain in words what an experience, you know, of, of writing music is like, because it's, it's much more like, um, it's just very hard to explain. I, I think it, it in, in the best of times, it's like you're you're struggling to to write down or capture something that you've heard from somewhere else, some other place, and you've been given this gift, you know, and, you, and you're you're scrambling to try and record it before it's gone, you know. And if you can capture, you know, fifty percent of what the idea that comes through, you know, that that's often feels successful, you know, and not to get overly spiritual about it, but I, but I really do feel that the, that the best music comes from 
some other place, you know, it's some other deeper recess that um, I don't feel that I own it. I, I feel that I'm just sort of a, a conduit, you know, and, and, and I just feel so thankful and so blessed to be able to be allowed to, to present these. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm a little uncomfortable talking about this because it's just, I don't want people to think that, you know, uh, I like go up on a mountaintop with stone tablets. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I'm saying because I mean, this, this happens to all of us all the time. Mm. And if you're quiet enough and if you listen enough, you, you get these little moments of inspiration. And, and I think that that's my stock and trade as a composer is, is being able to capture these, these little wisps of an idea and, and take what I've learned over the years and, and make it into something that works, you know, with picture, which is what I particularly enjoy doing. Hmm. You know, but, but just composing in music in general is, is really just taking a, a, just a pure little idea and you just snatch it and go, you'll do, you know, <laughs> and you just start trying to put stuff together and, and, you know, um, there's just, there's no greater joy, uh, you know, for me than, than being allowed to do that. You know, uh, when we're talking about, you know, what I do for a living, of course, wow. my kids and my wife, and those are, you know, two, <laughs> two other awesome, amazing things. But, but as far as being allowed to to craft music for a living, I, I just couldn't be luckier. Mm. Well, and and I think the beautiful, beautiful thing about it is that is this is just clearly resonated with with so many people who watch the show, and and especially to close the show with that theme, I can't think of anything more perfect than that. But speaking about closing the show, we had a few questions: Kevin, Stephanie, Rachel. Uh, Carmen all asked about, um, and what Allie mentioned, Allie Adler was was how, in the end, you closed the theme. Talk about how you closed it and what you were thinking there. Well, music is the for me the 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 challenge in writing music is it's it's really all about things that what kind of weight they have, whether it's a feather weight or it's a lead weight, you know, and it's really all about expectation. And so when you expect something to land and it doesn't quite land, it leaves you a bit unresolved, you know, mm -hmm. and that's the way that theme had always played out before. It was just achingly close to resolving, but it just never does. And when I say resolve, I mean kind of land on a last chord. If you listen to that theme, and it kind of walks up and then it lands on a you know D major. I think I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know it, it, it definitely comes to rest. And, and that's not to say that you know Chuck and Sarah are over or that it's stopping or anything like that. It just means that that little melody, you know, had been flying around for five seasons and it finally came in for a landing you know wow very very cool well another question from chris in toronto um he and and, and like you you mentioned how 
you expect a certain thing because we've heard this theme now several times and he he shared it surprised him to hear it end differently and he asks what are some other sort of easter eggs like that that you've included where um where you uh, threw something in uh against expectation well it's funny that you said that because uh matt barber who i i'm sure everyone knows really well is one of the genius editors on chuck um came up to me afterward and he says you tricked me he's like <laughs> i thought i knew that i was like man they use that cue again and then it changed and i was like whoa it's <laughs> like wow you know <laughs> no but he was like he was really surprised he didn't know that you know we had changed it up um you know honestly i'm trying to think of another instance um well, that Decker theme that I mentioned, you know, where, where those themes are hidden inside of his theme. Um, I don't think that was blazingly obvious, but I, I, if you go back and, and take a look, you'll, you'll see that it's kind of built from the DNA of all the other bad guy themes, you know. Mm. Um, oh, there's some, there's some stuff. There, I mean, there's tons of things, but I just can't. It's been such a long time. When we... Um, when we didn't know that Shaw was back, um, for Decker, we had some of the Shaw theme weaved into his music, mm. very subtly. I mean, very subtly, but it's it's there. We definitely thought about it, and um, you know, that's another piece of music that I get asked about constantly. Is is the um, well, I called it the dark side on my website because it <laughs> seemed like, you know, I, I sort of felt like Shaw was, you know, Vader. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that was an interesting process. If, did I talk to you about this before, Gray, about composing that piece? And, and when I was done, I was like, I think this might be one of the worst things I've ever written. Like, I, I hated it. <laughs> Man, what a waste of a day, you know? Uh-huh. I, I went to sleep and I got up the next morning and... I still really ambivalent about. It. I was like, God, I don't know. It's just so weird, and it's got pipe organ in it, and you know. And so I sent it off to to the guys, um, Josh and Chris, and they listened to it. They're like, Well, we don't know. We we think we love it, but we're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, they listened to it a few more times, and they're like, No, we're pretty sure it's awesome. Yeah, and I was like, Oh, because <laughs> I almost threw it out. You know? Oh it's wow! Like, and it was just one of those things where. You know, I I think it's fun now because it was so kind of different at the time. You know, there were some different elements kind of coming together. Wow. Wow. This, this is such a great, great look behind the scenes. Um, uh-huh. Now, uh, yeah. the one last uh, question I should mention there was from Sarah. She was wondering if we if you would have that scene from the beach with no talking. And we answered that. Of course, you just rewind the podcast over and over again if you want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but Mel, you well, yeah. I actually wanted to go back to the Shaw theme for a minute. Um, the fact that you were so, at first you hated it and then you were just really ambivalent about it. And even um, Schwartz and Fedak didn't love it from the beginning. I think that kind of matches the character reaction in a way. Yeah. You know, how the fans reacted to him. At first they were like, I'm not, I don't really know about yeah. this guy. And then it was like, yeah, we hate him. We absolutely hate him. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, when it came on and, and it, it almost had like a house tech, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, ah, oh, here comes Shaw again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, Be ready to hate him. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting how they kind of, the, this, the music 
the process of the music kind of matches the process of the character. Mm. Definitely. Well, poor Brandon Ruth. I mean, God, the guy just got pummeled. You know? <laughs> and and yeah. actor, people. This isn't what he does in his real life. And yeah, he doesn't go around breaking up soulmates in real life. He's actually married oh. to a lovely woman. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I never, you know, I never actually met Brandon. I, he was a really sweet guy, though. Yeah. His wife Courtney guest starred on True Blood last season. Oh yeah, and and through our other fan site for for True Blood, um, we got to interview her. And I mentioned, you know, we have the Chuck fan site too. And she's like, "Oh my gosh, wait till Brandon gets home. I'm gonna have to tell him because he just loves Chuck and he loved being on the show and he was such a huge fan. And when that, you know, when the role came out, he went after it because he just loved the show. Wow. And yeah, and then to have that reaction from the fans. I oh mean, no. But you know, I I really got the impression that he was thrilled. He, he knew that he was going to get that kind of a reaction from the fans, but he didn't care. Right. He, he did his job really well, you know, to the point where you just hate the guy. Mm. Yeah. That's, you know, a lot of great and, actors have done that. So, And, I mean, it's a show that he loved, and he's now a really iconic part of it. Definitely. So, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. yeah, those black Kenneth Cole shoes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, moving on, we have some questions about some of your personal favorites throughout the five seasons, Tim. Uh, Steph- yeah. Here comes the hard stuff. Okay. Stephanie wants to know what your favorite piece of music that you have composed for the show is. That's not that hard, actually. That's the last cue. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just feels, it just, you know, it was, um, but you know what? I will say that, that, um, Although I did not compose the aha song, the the way that that whole scene came out, I was very pleased with the the way that the orchestra plays over the top and the and the way it worked emotionally and cutting back and forth and um, there were just so many layers in that section. I really had a good time working on that. That scene is the one out of the entire series and the entire finale. As soon as it started, I lost it i completely lost it and i'm like this is not even a sad part of the show <laughs> no i had the same reaction in fact i had t- two of the guys that work with me at the studio i'm sorry i hope i didn't interrupt you just then um they uh we saw the scene and we're like oh man i think one of the guys said yeah i have some dust in my eye or something i go <laughs> i tried to pull that and it just didn't you know gray did some <laughs> some color correction so you can't see how red my face gets when i cry but there was no hiding that one Even, we were talking about it on the podcast and i'm just weeping and when we were watching you know i, I got to see the episodes in advance and then yeah i was watching we hosted a little party here and i'm I've, i mean i've already seen it and I, I'm just, I just lose it again. And there's, a, my friends took pictures of <laughs> me holding the laptop as I'm hosting a live chat, watching the scene and just tears streaming on my face. It, but it did, it was a powerful, powerful scene. And that's it my really story. It really was. It was a great way to tie everything up and just cheers to Mr. Fedak and, and the whole crew for, you know, just making that whole thing land mm. and thick, mm-hmm. you know? And oh, yeah for selling it you know i mean just really making you believe that jeffster came in and rocked the place you know yeah Um, they're amazing those two like you said they take whatever you throw at them so amazing it's awesome yeah well um and and, mm -hmm. uh, just about vic too i mean he's really grown in his performing through this Mm -hmm. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it, if you think of any song in sort of the pop, you know, lexicon that, that might give people hives, you know, that's <laughs> one of them. You, you know, yeah. they're like, you want me to sing what? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not an easy song. I mean, very none of the songs we did were, were a gimme, you know? I mean, mm. he, he really stepped up to the plate. And, and I think it sort of backfired on him because I think in the in the beginning, they just wanted Jeffster to be really, really bad. <laughs> really. I mean, they wanted him to be laughably bad. Yeah. But it's, they don't know Vic. That's all. He can't do it. You Vic know? couldn't do it. He didn't want to do that. He and I think honestly, I think it's funnier if they're complete buffoons off the stage, and when they go on, they're just on. You yeah. know. <laughs> and um, I rewatched Spinal Tap the other night with my wife, and uh, you know, it's just Vic and Scott really, really pulled off those roles. I mean, I, it really makes me wonder what what Jeffster would do on their forthcoming album uh-huh. <laughs> like, they're gonna be big in germany i yeah. hear i know <laughs> with women and men yeah. <laughs> it just makes me wonder what would they write you know what would they yeah. write about would they would they step outside the cover song thing or you know so i don't know i, I, yeah. I think about I've, that i've always wondered what an original song from them would be like and then i think it's probably better that we don't know <laughs> yeah yeah well, in, um, let's see, back to the questions that you all submitted. Matt G., who is a frequent um, conversational partner on Twitter, he emailed and said, I love how smoothly all of your themes have fit the various characters and situations on Chuck. Which theme or themes were the most challenging for you to compose? And he specifically mentions Orion's theme, uh, Chuck and Sarah's theme, and then the ma- music playing during Bryce Larkin's death as his favorites oh see that one that one was was repurposed um if i'm not mistaken by matt barber it may have been kevin or it may have been jeff granzo i don't remember but it was a genius use of it there i hadn't composed it for that spot but it really fit you know mm-hmm. and um i think the inspiration they they had wanted something that that was evocative of um risky business when they were first cleaning up yeah. the Bymore after the big party, mm-hmm. that way back when, and it and then that same piece of music ends up uh, being used in in Bryce's scene. I mean, they don't, you know, you don't really think of those two things together, but I think there was something, you know, anyone who listens to the score in in Chuck, it'll it will be perfectly obvious to them that I'm a huge fan of Vangelis. You know, <laughs> love the score to Blade Runner. Um, you know, I, I grew up with a lot of the really great synth pop, you know, Depeche Mode, Erasure, um, Yellow, you know, all these great, uh, the, a lot of the things I ended up throwing in in the background on Jeffster tracks were things that I just really enjoy myself, you know. Mm. And um, so um, that theme, let's see. What was the most challenging? Um, I, I had a really hard time with with Decker because we had done so many themes that it was like, oh my god, another theme, you know. <laughs> and, and you know that's fine. It's just that he wasn't going to be around that long. He had what, what a two or three, maybe four episode arc or something. 
Mm-hmm. I, I could be off on that, but um, it just seemed to make sense to, to make his theme sort of encompassing of all of them. It made him seem even more evil. You know, he took everyone else's themes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that thief. Uh, yeah, that thief. Um, let's see. Um, you know, the Orion theme was, uh, if you listen to that, here's another example of, of an Easter egg, is if you listen to the Orion theme, both Chuck's mom's theme and Chuck's dad's theme can be derived from the spy theme. Huh. They're, they're different. Huh. Um, one of them's in, in, in a mirror you know, not a direct mirror, but it's it goes down instead of up, and it's they're just all sort of in the same neighborhood. Hmm. Um, so if you take a listen to those next to each other or play them on the piano, just you know, you'll you'll kind of see how they're related. And I, and I wanted that. I wanted that that they're from the same family of spy themes. You know, hmm. this is why we need the score available, <laughs> yeah, so that we can see the things that you did, these cool things you did, yeah. <laughs> Certainly kept me amused for five years. That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you did you watch Chuck for entertainment? Like, did you get together on Monday or Friday night and watch it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I think there were only a couple of episodes I missed uh, on air, but I, I've said from day one this is the kind of show I would have watched uh, religiously, whether I worked on it or not. I just uh, there's too many. Uh, you know, the show was aimed at me. You know, I've I've said mm-hmm. a million times that my first computer game was Zork. Mm. Commodore 64. (laughs) Do you have a favorite episode or scene from the show? Hmm. Can you choose? Yeah, I do. Uh, There was an episode written by uh, Lauren uh, Le Judkins, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh Frank and Rafe Judkins. When Chuck and Sarah finally, I know this is really sappy and I'm outing myself as a a shipper, but um, when they get on the train and they're in Europe, Oh yeah, honeymooners. So, yeah, and I wrote this really fun little sort of almost tequila. Yes, you know, with the guy on the train, and I just had a blast doing that. So, I've had a hell of a lot of fun doing Chuck. You know, it's it's like when I hear people, when I hear Jeff uh, Bridges talk about the Big Lebowski. You know, they're like, "Hey, man, you know, what if people only remember you for the Big Lebowski?" He goes. That'd be great. <laughs> and I was proud to be remembered for Chuck because this just was an awesome, awesome show. Yeah. Well, you get no good disagreement here. Yeah. yeah. Angie was to know, moving past the Chuck landscape, um, who is your favorite film composer? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, you know... I was always blown away by Jerry Goldsmith, and um, I admire uh, John Williams immensely. I think John Williams is is one of our just American treasures. The guy is just amazing at what he does. And um, what's interesting, though, is there's a difference between Jerry Goldsmith and John Williams in the way that they compose and sort of, I think, some of their references and, um, I mean, you know, both pillars of the of the film scoring, uh, you know, pantheon. But uh, but I tend to gravitate a little bit more towards Goldsmith for whatever reason. Um, and I also really like uh, I love Elliot Goldenthal, and he doesn't do as much anymore. But um, I just always thought his take on on 
a scene. You know, I thought the interview with the vampire score was just amazing. And he, he did some really great stuff in that. Um, you guys remember a movie called Sphere? Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a great opening to that that Elliot, Golden, Elliot Goldenthal scored, and, and it's just going over the water like in a helicopter. And you should check that out because the music there is just so awesome. It's just It just perfectly conveys what's going on and, and adds just the right thing. Um, uh, who else? I listen to tons and tons and tons of stuff. I mean, I love John Powell. I think the guy is just amazing. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of talented people working uh, today. And um, Alexander Desplat is amazing. Um, who else? When I'm, you know, listening to stuff, I, I, I wish Goldsmith was still alive because I'd love to have some new scores from him. You know, mm-hmm. I love, I love the older guys. I love Corn Gold. Um, they did some great re-recordings of some of the older Golden Age uh, film scores. You know, Franz Waxman was a guy that did Prince Valiant, which is a really cool score. And uh, so I don't know. It, it, that's a very hard question to answer because. It, <laughs> really depends on what day yeah (laughs) you know well uh sort of complimenting that antonio wonders if you have if you can share your favorite singers um and maybe your favorite genre of music well um i don't think aha it's aha isn't it aha yeah (laughs) i did see them live in concert in like 1985 wow Uh, if you're watching i was there (laughs) balcony that was me. So anyway, um, no, I love AHA. And so, you know, to, to, to be allowed to take their song and add orchestral accompaniment to it and, you know, sort of have the Jeffster way with it (laughs) (laughs) was a great thrill, you know, but, um, I actually really love a band out of England called Muse. And I I think that's probably no great surprise either. Listening to the Shaw theme, uh, has some definite Muse elements, it's uh, if you haven't heard them, Mel, you should check them out. They're really, really good. I uh, have heard them, and you're right. I hadn't made the connection before, but I can I can hear it now. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I love Mark Knopfler actually. Mm-hmm. His solo work. I mean, he was in Dire Straits, but I, I really respond to his songwriting uh, post Dire Straits, and um, you know, I have a bunch of guitars on the wall behind me, and um, I. Uh, often find myself I, I love I love good storyteller songwriters John Hyatt and Tom Waits is a, I'm a huge fan of Tom Waits I love his creativity you know I love the way he approaches the process um, I could tell you know some of the most inspiring things I've ever heard about writing music came from Tom Waits you know just in different interviews he's given and hmm can I tell you a really quick story? Sure. Yeah. So the the lady, and please forgive me, ma'am, for not remembering your name, but she wrote uh, Eat, Pray, Love. I'm um, sure people out there know who that is. But she was talking, she had talked to Tom Waits once about creativity. And he was talking about how he'll, he'll often talk to his songs uh, when he's working on an album. And he uh-huh. remembers. One time, just storming up and down the room in the studio, like, all the other songs are in the car. (laughs) And it's like, you know, we're going to leave and you're not here. And, you know, (laughs) 
just like ranting, <laughs> raving. So then he's like driving on the freeway, and all of a sudden the idea for the song hits him. He's like, "Now?" He's like, "Now?" <laughs> you know? He's like, "Come on!" You know. <laughs> and I just love that. I love that he engages with his creativity in that way because it, it does feel that way. It feels like it. It, it feels like a he's also described as being like a nature photographer. You know, it's like you set up the blind and you sit there on a piece of cardboard, you know, for two weeks and you wait for it to come by and then you snap a picture, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it, it is kind of like that. You have to be ready. And when it shows up, you have to grab that little wisp, you know, and, and try and do something. with it. Yeah. Neato. Neato. Well, um, our last section is a very small one. Um, but I'm sure it's big for you, and that is the future. Um, Stephanie asks, what other projects are, are you working on, and what can we expect from you? Well, that's an excellent question. Um, I don't have a concrete answer as to what the next um, film or TV project will be. I do have some films um, some friends of mine are, are making and uh, in the process of, but... Uh, I don't have any hard dates on those yet. Um, I am actually working on an album. Um, really? I, uh, you know, have been writing songs since since I was a kid, and uh, you know, I mentioned I really like songwriters, and um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna spend some time now, kind of thinking about what I might like to do, you know, uh, and it's it's really hard taking away the. Uh, the the time crunch and the limitation of, of the picture. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I need something to uh, keep it all in the box, you know, but, uh, but I've been, uh, this is a, a long gestating project. I've been working on it for quite a while. And, um, uh, you know, I could play a little bit for uh, your podcast listeners, you know, if you want. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's called, Right now, it's called Ghost Town, and um, it's uh, it's a song I wrote uh, about my mom, and uh, you know, uh, love to know what people think, you know, because it is it is very personal, and uh, it's it's harder putting out stuff with lyrics because you can't you can't hide behind a, a lyric, you know, you can hide behind a bassoon or a trumpet or you know, <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, but but I'm actually really excited about that because I'm gonna I'll be working with Johnny Lee Shell again and and uh, have an opportunity to just spend some time in the studio. Um, you know, really, I come from Arizona originally, and and um, I grew up on a farm, and I you know raised money for buying synthesizers by driving farm machinery around in the summer. You know, wow. <laughs> so uh, I definitely come by a, a country song or two. Uh, you know honestly uh-huh. um, and it's not really country per se but uh, I think it has a bit of a rootsy character and, and definitely more country than you would hear on Chuck so here's the angel on my shoulder taking paid days off is she headed up to Reno with a silver cross is she laying it down on black or is it red? Hope she comes back soon, relights the moon. I'm so alone here, there's a ghost town in my head. 
Angel on my dashboard, grass skirt sways in the wind. Are you up from the farm? Is the coach gonna put you in? Have you seen my angel? Has she got a message for me? Hope it comes real soon. Relights the moon. I'm so alone in this ghost town painted red. And we're back. And really appreciate, Tim, you sharing that with us. Absolutely. And so right now... We have a real treat, and as everybody has been so curious about the the process of putting a song together, and in particular about Jeffster, um, we all just loved that "Take on Me" aha tune, and uh, and I did want to mention actually it harkens back to some of the work you did in Czechoslovakia, I think. I'm working. I'm specifically working with an orchestra. Oh yeah, well. Uh... Yeah, I did a, uh, a movie for Sony. Um, I had a full orchestra and a choir, and I conducted. And Yeah, I mean, I, it's certainly my background. I haven't had as much opportunity to do that on Chuck just due to the budget and the time. But um, I'm certainly comfortable uh, writing and, and recording with an orchestra. It's, it's one of my favorite things to do. Cool. And so you, uh, what are you going to show us right now? Uh, I'm going to show you, uh, we'll start out by looking at the, the AHA, the Jeffster version of AHA without the orchestral accompaniment and without the extra, I added some guitars at the last minute and I'm glad I did. I think that it kind of added a little more drive to it, but initially it wasn't in there. So let me just show you, um, just for people who may not be familiar, it might be kind of fun for you to just hear a couple of different the elements, uh, soloed up and, you can kind of hear the drums and the bass and then the, you know, the vocals and the background vocal. And I'll just kind of give you a little taste of, of all these different things. Okay, here we go. So obviously it starts with the drums and I had to program those. And, you know, um, I, uh, I listened to the aha, obviously, you know, pretty closely, but I also kind of just went with what I thought Jeff in his, you know, autistic genius might do, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Did you say autistic genius or artistic? Autistic. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and that's really no slam against people with autism. But... No, it's just, it, it is, it's, I think it's an accurate description. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm now recording this pass. Getting there. Yep. Okay, great. So here's the drums. And here's a synth part by itself. everything together. Queen, you know. 
And that's Scott, right? No, that was actually Vic. Oh, he's doing the background vocals too? He is, yeah. We're, we cheated a little bit. Nice. That was cool. Slowly learning that life is okay. Say after me. It's no better to be safe than sorry. Take on me. Take on the lead. Take me on. Take on the lead. I'll be gone. You know what? You get the idea. That's that's mm-hmm. the basic aha song and, and it was missing um apologies to vic because it was missing some uh reverb and stuff on the vocals so mm-hmm. so that's sort of what we start out with and then we uh ended up with this is um starting at the point where the song first comes in um okay here's the orchestral accompaniment strings had to hold out you know as chuck i think chuck flashes right there and he's like whoa i haven't done that in a while and then comes back in Yeah, it was fun. It was really a lot of fun. And you know, once once that once I got the orchestra the orchestral stem on top of the band, and it was with the picture, and it's like, and, and it got to the end, and then Chuck's like gives him Morgan the thumbs up. It was like it was all I could do to keep it together. It was just like the yeah. whole series like coming together. And I think that's what you were talking about. Now. 
Yeah, I don't even know. I mean, it was a, I, and I even knew it was coming, you know, <laughs> and I knew where the episode it was coming. And as soon as, you know, you see um, Lester's foot come out on stage, it was over. It was over. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think it was just, it was in that one scene, it kind of encompasses five years. Right. Absolutely. It was like all the elements, you know, they were diffusing a bomb again. Uh (laughs) And Beckman was disapproving again. Again. Uh (laughs) Sorry, General. Shut up. We're going to save you. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, at the same time that it was such a callback, it was also such a snapshot of how far all of these characters have come. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, yeah, do you think that you got to hear enough of the song? I mean, uh, I just kind of wanted to give them, you know, um, your listeners an idea of uh, kind of what the different parts are by themselves, you know? Well, and uh, do you do you want to play a bit of sort of the fully mixed together or, or the, them all together just so we get a, a sense of sure. all of them together? You bet. Here goes. It comes back. Let's play the last part. That's my favorite. Sure. Morgan conducting. <laughs> oh, gold stuff. Gold. Yeah. That was a good way to go out. Yeah. yeah. Now, Gray, I'm going to need you to cut my lip syncing. 
Okay. From the final product. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Gray, I hope you can um, uh, sync these back up. There's, I basically started recording every time I started playing the track again. So mm-hmm. hopefully it won't be too too. Oh, no. Thing. Yeah, no, no problem. What, okay. I, what I may get you to do is... Um, uh, is send me some separate elements, uh, but we can talk about it afterwards. Okay, great. Cool. So, wow, uh, this has been a really great um, look in behind the scenes again. And of course, uh, you, I do urge everybody if you if you missed Tim Jones's other interviews, um, definitely go back episode two, which you cannot get on iTunes anymore. You can only get it through chuckpodcast.com. Go back and watch episode two, which was when we were first introduced to Tim Jones. And uh, cool. I, yeah, I get, and it was that so was a really neat one, neat episode. I get to be episode two, like Empire of the Strikes Back, you know, Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. the best one. And we cannot forget the two-part Jester special, episode 57 and 58, which had long interviews and looks behind the scenes with Tim Jones, musician Gene Edwards, and, of course, Vic Sahai and Scott Krinsky. You cannot, cannot miss those, and, and definitely worth a look back. This is Vic Sahai, and you are watching, in fact, the Jeffster special on Chuck versus the podcast. Introduce yourself, Grayson. I'm Eugene Edwards. I'm a musician on Chuck. Hey, this is Tim Jones, composer for Chuck. This is Scott Krinsky, and you're watching the Jeffster special on Chuck vs. the Podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that was awesome. And uh, and I really appreciate you uh, giving us all these uh, cues that we could listen to in the podcast here. And um, and actually, even for the for last week, our, our goodbye, Chuck. Oh, boy. Absolutely. Yeah, I... Um, I had had gone uh, email dark for a few days, so sorry I missed uh, getting you some of the newer stuff, but we'll we'll put some of that in here. Very, very cool. We had a really wonderful response to that, FYI. That's great. A lot of people said, great, I cried through the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Tim. (laughs) Yeah. I used used that that beach um, Chera theme about five times. (laughs) And people were like, I knew it was coming and I cried again. Yeah, yeah. We were all saying that at the at the final screening. You know, we we've all seen it like five, six times, and we we're still bawling at the end. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean, that's how you know this show packed an emotional punch. It really did. It connected in a way that very few shows do. Mm. And yeah. and I do think the music was a large part of that. It was a huge part of it. Thank you, Mel. Thank you. It really. It, it it's just. I I can't even begin to tell you what it's meant to me to be part of this and. You know, I, I really hope that, that some of the, the players go on and we get to work together again, you know, because uh, I, I, I love all the people that I've been working with the last five years. You know, they just really, really great, talented pool of people. So, cool. Have you ever written a cue for them as a person, not as a character? Uh, or have you ever, like, do you have something, like, arranged in your mind? Huh. That's a good question. No, I have, no, I, I, I have haven't. Thing where I have that thing where um, when I hear music, I see colors. Oh, yeah. And I just wondered if you're, if you're as musically in, uh, inclined as you are, if there was a, a certain, you know, you see them and it triggers something. Is that synesth- synesthesia? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I try to, maybe this is just me because I, you know, um, 
I try to kind of keep keep their characters and them quite separate, you mm-hmm. know. And um, no, I never have written for music for them as as people um, because I I haven't spent a whole lot of time with them outside of the of you know the the confines of Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we had a great time after the screening. Um, uh, Vic and I, and Yvonne, and and Zach, and Scott, and Chris Fedak, and some of the writers, and uh, we all ended up uh, at a, a great old hotel in in Hollywood, and mm-hmm. um, had a really nice time. Um, ended up bowling, and I don't know, just a bunch of crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I'm just really lucky to to be coming out of this job with some some good friends, and uh, that's a good idea. I'll have to write a piece of music for Vic Sahai, not Lester. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what would that neat. sound like? I have a feeling it would be very hard edged, but with mm. a soft, creamy center. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to ask Mr. Sahai and see what what he would request. Uh, oh no, he'll yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, I, I did get him to watch uh, the last episode. He he does not like to watch himself on screen, and uh, I I basically harangued him until he he agreed to go into the the theater at the you know just to see the Jeffster thing. So uh-huh. <laughs> good was, job. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, I know we we hate to end this, but I think we've we've gone on pretty long, and I I uh, I think all good things have to come to an end. Um, but w- I think one thing that bears reminding is uh, chucktv.net slash timjonescd is the place to go if you want a soundtrack. You can find out how to... Honestly, it only takes five minutes of your time to, to make a letter and drop it in the mailbox. So that's uh, it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I appreciate you guys doing that. You know, that wasn't... Uh... That wasn't something that 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 I came up with just so, that, <laughs> just so brothers knows. But uh, you know, I, I I appreciate that that people want a soundtrack, and um, you know, if you if you do write a letter, please be very polite. They are lovely people over there at Warner Brothers, and uh, you know, we'll we'll just see what they say. You know, it, yeah. maybe if, when if things line up in the right way, then then maybe uh, maybe we could do something. So. Yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah, we should mention that it's um, Chuck Van Al Mosier is the one who came up with this idea, and we're happy to help promote it and write our own letters and all of that. But yeah, Warner Brothers, don't go after Tim. <laughs> wasn't his idea. Yeah. You guys. <laughs> yeah. And I guess the only other thing we should remind people is uh, our next podcast will have an interview, an extended interview with Chris Bedak. Um, and so the question lines are open. You can send questions to mail at chuckpodcast.com. Uh, that interview will be the week of the 20th, so it would be very wise to get your questions in by February 20th. Right. Can I get my and questions in? Yes. I was just <laughs> going to say, Tim, you've got the email address. Send it over. Yeah. You know, Fedak's awesome. He's he's one of my f- favorite people from the show because uh, he and I are both soundtrack nerds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I've outed him several times as a soundtrack nerd, but I, I carry it as a badge of honor, sort of like this T-shirt I'm wearing with the Ghostbuster on it. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, but yeah, you should ask him uh, how many how many film soundtracks he owns. Uh, tell him Tim Jones wants to know how many CDs he thinks he's bought of film soundtracks over the years. <laughs> One hundred. He's an official nerd. All right. <laughs> sure. Tell him I said so. Uh-huh. Write that down. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. 
Well, Tim, it's been an absolute, absolute pleasure. And uh, and just, you know, on the podcast again, I want to thank you so much for hosting me in, in 2009. Uh, it was just a tremendous, tremendous experience to uh, spend that time at your house with your family. And, and it was wonderful. Well, you got to come back now. The studio is way cooler than it was then. <laughs> it's bigger. Yeah. And I still have your email offering me a tour, Tim. I'm not going to forget. Absolutely. Next time I'm out there. Thank you both for all the many hundreds of hours, thousands of hours in some cases you put in on this. And I just, you know, it's Chuck. Chuck was was this really cool coming together of a lot of people. And uh, just really want to thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. And uh, so we're going to close out with... A really explosive cue by Tim Jones. <laughs>